Welcome to the Highly Leveraged Podcast, interviewing landlords and industry professionals to help you start and continue to scale your rental income portfolio. Here's your host, Dave Rosa. What's up? I got Nancy Sewell out of Baltimore, Maryland with me today. She bought her first property way back in 2002. She built her portfolio all the way up to 25 units. But then during the housing crisis in 07 and 08, all of her loans were called due and she lost it all. That was followed up by some personal tragedy with her husband. But now she's reinvented herself and she, she's been very successful at wholesaling and flipping houses. She works for Make Wealth Real, in which they help people with bad credit build it up and purchase their own home. Nancy's about to venture out to Colorado to take on a flip of $1.2 million in renovation. And they have to repair value of that house is going to be $5.5 million. Here she is, Nancy. Yeah, actually, um, my professional background has always been in um, public relations and marketing, uh, volunteers of America, the hospitality industry. Um, And I started my own small business called the Captain Midnight Cookie Company. And it was a dog treat company. And um, it really was a fun experience. It taught me a lot um, about how to start a business and the things that are necessary um, and I started distributing my product. It was um, souvenirs for dogs. And since I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, um, what I did was I made these um, uh, dog cookies that were shaped like crabs. And I packaged them up and um, I, uh, the, th- the theme was bring home a dozen crabs from Baltimore for your best friend. And I uh, was distributing them myself. And then I met a distributor, a wholesale distributor, and worked for him as a general manager, left my professional career, and um, he went under. Um, he had he did some um, unfortunate business dealings that really put him in a bad way. So all of a sudden, I was left at home, you know, saying, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? And it was one of those 2 a.m. Uh, infomercials by Carlton Sheets. And Carlton Sheets, anybody that's been in this business for a long time knows that he's one of the pioneers, really, in terms of creative financing and real estate investing in general, um, especially when it came to the infomercial model in terms of marketing his class, etc. So I decided to um, just go ahead and invest in his course. And um, I would say that I'm one of the few people that actually was able to take that information that I learned from his course and apply it. And one of the first things that... Um, you know, he, he would talk about is aligning yourself with other professionals in this industry, which is very, it's, it's, it's sage advice. You know, you really want to surround yourself. You want to have a sphere of influence that has knowledge and experience and the ability to, to guide you. And the first professional that I aligned myself with was actually a realtor. Now, this realtor was a good friend of mine who um, not only was newer in the industry, but also had a focus really on servicing residential customers, meaning, you know, John Q. Public that wants to buy or sell a home, not an investor. So he was showing me houses that just didn't make sense, you know. So I would tell anyone in that's listening to this, um, to this podcast that um, make sure that if you are trying to work with a real estate professional, that you engage with one that really understands the special needs of an investor one that understands formulas, one that understands cash flow, renovation, et cetera. Um, Because otherwise you'll be, they'll be showing you houses that are way outside of what you really should be focusing on. And you're looking at them as a professional. So it's very easy to be swayed by the kind of things that they might try to put in front of you. At any rate, um, I was able to recognize, um, again, you know, sort of early on that, as much as um, Joe was a friend of mine and was really trying to serve me well, he was missing the mark. So um, I decided that I was going to join a local investor club. And I actually joined several of them. And that is where I was exposed to the people who really understood the business and who were able to teach me um, how to you know, begin my career in real estate investing. Um, the interesting thing about that though, is, um, you know, I use the term sharks and babies, and I will say that because, um, my first experience, my very first rental property, 
Um, I was all excited because I went to this investor club and I, I met this couple. He was an investor and she was a licensed realtor. And here they are at this investor club with a table set up and they're talking about a coaching course and they wanted to be personal mentors and they would help you buy your first house. And so I paid, I think it was $3,500 to become a student of theirs. And yes, they did um, get me into my first rental property. When I, when I went to look at this rental property that they were putting me into, I mean, it was dirt cheap. I was, was like, man, single the family home or was this multifamily? Single family. Single family. In the hood. Oh, yeah. Like in the hood of hoods. And I didn't know because I wasn't familiar with downtown Baltimore. I was more of a county person. But here these professionals are telling me to buy this house. And I'm telling you, man, um, in retrospect, I didn't know because I wasn't familiar with the area. But in retrospect, people would say to me, man, you go down into that area by yourself. You know, you can't see me or the people listening can't see me. But I'm 5'10 and I've got long blonde hair and I always drove a sports car. So me driving around the hood you know, trying to find this property and get in there and check on my rehab status and everything. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. But anyway, so this first house that I buy, um, I think I paid $19,000 for it. And I'm on, I'm on top of the planet. I'm like, man, you know, cause he's telling me you're going to rent this out section eight and you're going to have blah, blah, blah. Well, I let him start the rehab on it. And I'm here to tell you, first of all, over my years in this business, and I started in 2002, the one thing that I would share with um, your listeners is that, in my view, construction is one of the biggest barriers to any investor's success in this business. And Dave, I think you can attest to that. You, I heard your story about how you got your first property and you know it took so long to get the job done. Well, when I walked into my first property, um, it was so funny. I opened the door and I hear this loud music. And I hear people laughing and cutting up and I, and I don't see anybody. And I walk through and I'm a little nervous and I'm looking and everybody's out in the backyard. And the reason they're in the backyard is because they're hooking my electric up illegally. I got three people up on the pole hooking my electric up. I got beer bottles and um, booze bottles all laying around in the yard. They're out there having a party hooking my electric up illegally. I was like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? But anyway, um, moved through that project, um, did get my, my first rental completed and um, had, had challenges with um, the mentor that I was working with. Turns out he was actually, um, he, he turns out he was actually on probation for flipping, which was the bad type of flipping back in that day, back in 2002, where what, the, what was happening was um, appraisals were being adjusted um, in favor of uh, the investor. And so it was like this whole big scandal and he was on probation for it and things turned out to be quite a mess, but I did make a nice cash flow. I had $850 a month section eight tenant move in and financially speaking, it did turn out to be, you know, a good, uh, a good deal. So fast forward, um, over the next five years or so, I, I continued to, um, move at my own pace. And I was very fortunate because I aligned myself with, someone who turns out that today is one of the largest um, um, lenders and largest real estate developers in Baltimore. And I started out with him in his infancy. Um, but I ended up, you know, with a very nice portfolio. I had 25 rental properties. I also got my real estate license um, to help myself in my investing piece of it. So I didn't have to worry about the commission end of things. Um, I could actually earn a commission by, you know, engaging um, with other um, sellers through the MLS. So um, I got too big for my britches, basically. Um, 2007, 2006, I, I had a million dollar home. I had 25 rental properties. I had um, uh, lots of money in the bank. Everything was going very, very well. Now, I, I was making mistakes along that time with my tenants that I would love to share with you, um, but just to finish my story, so to speak, because the mistakes that I made are things that I would love for your listeners to hear because I think they're they're really important so we can help them avoid some of these mistakes. Um, what happened was, you know, I learned the driving for dollar 
scenario. That's where, you know, we all get in our car and, you know, we have our fun day, you know, looking for houses that look dilapidated and for sale by owners, etc. So I found this uh, sign on this um, big Victorian house not too far from where I lived. And it was a for sale by owner. And it said something like, you know, owner financing available or something along those lines. I can't remember. And I actually called the guy and started working with him. Um, I ended up um, taking down both of those. There were two Victorians side by side. And the plan was we were going to do a subdevelopment. And it was supposed to be a minor subdivision, but it turned into a major sub because the lands were connected. It turned out to be quite a hassle. Um, I also, at the same time, there was a high school not too far from me that closed down that I actually bought the athletic field. And I was in the plenary stages of putting together uh, condos, 220 condos for a senior community, you know, with a park and shopping and all the rest of that. Uh, I also bought a lot of land um, to build a spec home on. Now, keep in mind, you know, not only was I building my rental um, inventory, I was also doing flips. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of wholesaling. Um, I stuck with rentals and flips. So I felt like I had a knowledge and experience, you know, to be able to engage with this guy. But what I will tell you ended up happening is the, it was during the 2007 and eight crisis and my lender called all my loans due. How many loans was that at the time when they called them due? Well, I had 25. All of them? Oh, wow. And plus my big, my big, my big projects, my, you know, everything. Ultimately, what ended up happening was I found out that the guy that I was working with was running a Ponzi scheme. And um, I literally lost everything right down to, you know, like I was ended up, I ended up living in my husband or in my nephew's basement. So it turned into a real tragedy. My husband actually committed suicide. I lost everything. And, you know, um, it was a difficult time, but I learned so many lessons. Um when you asked me, you know, was I behind on anything? I was starting to get behind. And here's why. Because um, basically I had, I made some mistakes. Um, I had a couple of tenants. Here, here's the first rule that I would tell anybody that owns rental properties. If you're going to self-manage your properties, you never, ever, ever, ever let the tenant know that you are the owner of the property. You always say that you are working for the owner. You are nothing but the property manager. And here's why. Because these tenants, once they realize that they're dealing with the owner, all of a sudden, especially if you're a nice person, like I'm a really good hearted person, they would take such advantage of me. So what ended up happening was um, I had one tenant in particular, and she was really um, the tip of the iceberg. But what she did was um, when she moved in, she was pregnant and she had a boyfriend and they had a little girl that was three years old. Um, and so when she, hang on, when she moved in, everything was good. But then um, she, uh, her husband, her boyfriend ended up in jail and she ended up on bed rest with her pregnancy. So here I was with this house with this lady going, Oh, Miss Nancy, please don't evict me. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go. I'm on bed rest. I have a three-year-old child and I don't know what to do about my boyfriend. And I promise you I'm going to get caught up and blah, blah, blah. And I gave in. I was like, okay, I can't possibly, you know, put you out on the street. And I had that happen you know, on a few different occasions where the tenants would actually, and, you know, again, I'm just a nice person. So I, you know, and I was doing okay. But when you think about it, that lady lived in my house for almost a year without paying rent. So that's just one of, one of the tips that I would give somebody. Make sure that you never let the tenant know that you are the owner. Um, good advice. <laughs> I <remember myself. laughs> you know, <laughs> There, there are some other things that I would share with people about rentals, too, because I know that this is um, sort of, you know, the uh, the theme of what you, you know, what you share here in terms of being highly leveraged. Um, make sure you understand your lease. Make sure you understand um, what um, the expectations are from a municipality perspective. Um, for example, um one mistake that I see people making a lot um, when it comes to leases is um, water. And this goes un unnoticed until it becomes a problem. But 
in Baltimore, especially, um, you know, people wonder, you know, they think about the water bills, the water bills are through the roof in Baltimore city. All right. So for a landlord to be able to, uh, leverage themselves against a tenant, um, where water is concerned, there is a specific way that you have to engage through your, um, through your lease, through the legal process, so to speak. Um, in other words, um, you need to actually have a clause. And I always did as a special addendum that water is considered additional rent. And the reason is because, you know, if, if, if you've got a tenant, especially, and here's another tip when you're renovating a house and it's a rental, I always remove the water bib from the outside of the house because the last thing you want is everybody having car washes to raise money or having all the neighborhood kids come over to swim in the pool. Um, and here you are as a landlord bearing the expense of all that. So I always get rid of outside water bibs. That's another tip for you. Um, but I always expected my tenants to pay the water bill regardless because it's expensive. But the only way that you have any leverage against a tenant who um, is in default of paying the water bill or reimbursing you is if it's actually described as extra rent. If that is the case, now you can actually evict them. Even if they're current on their rent, you can actually evict them for not paying the water bill. Um, there are lots of things. You know, I always had an addendum in my lease that would talk about the rules and regulations of Baltimore city. For example, um, I always made sure that my tenants knew you're responsible for providing a trash receptacle, but guess what? It needs to be metal. Baltimore city says it needs to be a metal trash can. And I would make them sign, you know, like I identified the key things that I wanted the tenant to really understand. And I always did that as a separate addendum to my lease, but I would just, you know, again, tell everybody that if you're looking at getting into rentals, make sure you've got a good lease and even though I self-managed all of my own properties, I, I really am in favor of using a, a property manager, but I also understand that they can be fraught with problems. In fact, after everything happened to me in my, you know, professional and personal life, I decided to stick in, in this business. I decided that I would focus on wholesaling and um, flipping. And I would tell you that my best month, I actually wholesaled 16 deals in one month. Well, it was an old wow moment to know that I was referring property managers, contractors, um, property tax reduction specialists, you name it. I made it very turnkey. Most of my buyers are actually two to four hours outside of Baltimore. And when it came to the property management referrals, I went through several property managers that really did not know the business. Now, it's a little different in today's environment. One tip for you is, at least in Maryland, and I don't know if it's nationwide, but at least in Maryland, it is now a mandate to be an actual um, validated property manager, so to speak. You must have a realtor or a real estate broker as part of your organization. And the reason for that is because now there is a fiduciary responsibility that's been accepted by a licensed professional, as opposed to just working with somebody who's, you know, working out of the trunk of their car, right? So if you're choosing a property manager, try to find somebody that has taken that extra step to include a licensed professional as part of their organization, because now if they, if they screw you in any way, and believe me, if they're, you know, one of these shade tree kind of property managers, they'll find a way. And it happens all the time. So just be careful about your property management choice. Uh, when it comes to the construction, construction, again, I mean, it almost um, brought my world down. What ended up happening was um, every contractor that I ended up referring to my customers turned out to be a crook. What they would do is, as I said, my, my people live far away. So what these knuckleheads would do is they would literally take pictures of a different property. Like they'd, they'd say, okay, the electrical is supposed to be done. And they go and they take pictures and they would send them off to my, my customers and ask for a draw. Hey, the electric's done. I need 20 grand. I need 30 grand. And my customers are going, okay, well, they sent pictures and they said it was done and Nancy referred them. 
So I'm going to send 20 or 30 grand, whatever. I'm here to tell you it took almost half a million dollars to make good for the damage that these contractors did to my customers. And I didn't have to do it because it's not like I was accepting referral fees or anything like that. But I felt a moral responsibility and also a business responsibility. It's my reputation. And my best buyer has purchased 12 deals from me. So the last thing I'm going to do is refer somebody to him and then just walk away when I know that my contractor referral has been stealing. So what I ended up doing was starting my own construction company. And I did that for about six years. And um, that in of itself was another journey. And, you know, I don't have any rental properties right now. And the reason for that more than anything, I think, is because I find such great joy in coaching and mentoring people and really, you know, sharing my experience. And I have so much information that I just love teaching people and um, helping people with. Now, what I decided to do was start my own coaching company. And I did that um, for a short period of time. But while I was... um, um, engaging with my students, so I would always be out looking for the you know new information, things that I could share, things that I could teach. And um, I ran across one of the big gurus who had a program that looked really great, and I and I thought I'm going to call and see if he would let me be a coach. And he didn't have room for a coach, but he did have room for a high ticket salesperson. So at any rate, what I decided to do was re- refocus on um, coaching and mentoring people, and. Um, as part of, uh, my, uh, business, I would look on the internet and, you know, try to find the the greatest, the newest information to be able to share with my students. And I ran across, uh, one of the big gurus in the industry and I was so impressed with what he, um, offered, what he said he offered that I, um, I reached out to him personally and asked if I could be a coach for his company. And he was not in need of coaches, but he asked me to become a high ticket salesperson. His course was $10,000. And I said, you know, if this is going to get my foot in the door, you know, to be able to um, be an actual coach for a big company, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So for about a year and a half, I worked for this, um, this gentleman and um, his company. And um I'll tell you, um, one of the reasons that I really love what you're doing here, Dave, is because over that year and a half, I, I, I really discovered that there are so many people in this country that are looking for a way to um, improve their income, um, to leave a legacy for their family. And m- many people feel like real estate is the avenue to do that. And it can be the real the, the vehicle to do that. Um, but the sad thing about it is that if I talked to 30 people in one day, I would tell you that 25 of those people could not afford even a $1,000 down payment to be able to get into a coaching program. And out of the five that could, four of them had grave reservations about affording a monthly payment, um, you know, to, to, again, to be able to hire a coach. And Honestly, um, I spoke to a lot of veterans in particular. It seemed like that was a marketplace where, you know, a lot of people who are who used to serve in the military are really looking for something right now. Um, just, you know, people all across the country just struggling like crazy financially and feeling like real estate is a great vehicle. And as I said, it is. Um, but uh, it got a little depressing, you know, to talk to so many people. And, and I felt like I wanted to help everybody and I couldn't. So um, I parted ways with that guru. And um, about a month and a half ago, I actually had another door open for me. And it opened my eyes to a different strategy, if you will, in terms of um, real estate investing that I am just all over. Now, um, going back to basics, um, first of all, again, I listened to your introduction and I was really impressed by your story. You know, you you hit some roadblocks and you really just kept on going. But I would tell you that there are a few things that I think you and your audience will find very interesting. Um, first of all, one of the things that you talked about is a 401k. And um, the challenges that you had when you wanted to get your money out. And there's a the cap to the 401k. There is... You know, there are lots of um, restrictions, taxes, penalties, all the rest of that. So when I understood that this company that I'm working with right now 
actually helps people and teaches people how to set up what is called a PRA, which stands for a private reserve account. That is something that about 6% of the population actually uses. Um, that was exciting to me. Um, when I understood um, the power um, and, the, and, and I have a real grasp on the necessity of having decent credit while you're trying to be a real estate investor. You know, it's a fallacy. People think, oh, I don't have to have any money and I don't have to have good credit. Now, there, there, is some, there are certain ways that you can get around those things. But generally speaking, in my view, people need to have, they need to take care of themselves first, right? They need to make sure that they're in a position to actually be able to not just get into this game, but to sustain themselves. So having good credit, is um, something that everybody should strive for. They should work towards improving their credit if they're able. You mentioned the power, and I agree with you, um, of using other people's money, especially when it comes to having a mortgage and the 30-year mortgage. Well, what my company does now is we teach people how to pay that mortgage off in 7 to 10 years instead of 30 years. We teach people how to adjust their W-4 so that now they're bringing home more money reduce their monthly bills so that now they have a better debt to income ratio. Because when you buy that property, you're going to have to have a down payment. You have to have some money in the game for a rental property. You're going to have to have good credit or decent credit to be able to get the financing necessary. And you want to be able to sustain that. So the things that, um, that this company offers to me are in perfect alignment with um, the whole idea of teaching people about how to become a real estate investor and not just do one deal and fail and run away screaming, even as a wholesaler. I don't think that whole people who get into this business understand the power and the importance of having the right knowledge when you're a wholesaler. And I'll share with you why. I owned four properties on a street in Baltimore City called Chateau Avenue. And I would purchase my properties and um, rehab them to a, a nice level with the intent of putting a tenant in, a Section 8 tenant typically. I like subsidized rentals. I mean, I would do granite. I would do hardwood floors, even on my rentals, because this is another tip for you. When you're buying a rental property and rehabbing it, you want to try to do the most with the least, because but you want to upgrade where you can because first of all, it's going to impact the amount of rent that you can get, but also it's going to impact your appraisal when you go to refinance that property. So that's why I would always go the extra step. Now, when I would go through that process with each of these properties, each of those properties appraised for about $120,000, give or take. And um, I would put a tenant in for $1,500, $1,600 a month through a subsidized program, great cash flow. Well, one day I had an email pop up from somebody who was a brand new wholesaler. And believe it or not, it was on the same block of Chateau Avenue that I owned my four properties on. And here's how this wholesaler marketed this property. Great buy. You're going to pay $90,000 for this house. You're going to put $20,000 into it. And it's going to be able to be retailed for $160,000. Well, of course, I know this block intimately. I know that this is all wet. This is either a wholesaler who is flat out lying or a wholesaler who hasn't got a clue. So here's another tip for your audience. Make sure you know who you're dealing with when you're talking to wholesalers. It could be their first deal. And here's what happened. I actually went to that property. And of course, I knew that at $90,000, whoever was going to buy this was losing money immediately. I also knew that the rehab at $20,000, no way. And I also knew that it wasn't going to sell for $160,000. So what happened? Somebody saw that beautiful ad that this wholesaler put out and bit. Not only did they spend $90,000, which was way too much for this property, but they spent almost $50,000 in rehab. They were upside down from, from the minute they bought that house and they didn't realize it because they trusted this wholesaler. And I'm, I, I wholesale a lot of deals, but I know what I'm doing. But you just have to be careful that you are looking at the information that's being given to you. Research it. Don't just count on some great marketing person to provide you with this information and then just trust them. 
that person, the reason that that, um, that uh, example is so sad is because the person that bought that house was somebody who would have been a great customer, a great repeat customer. He was excited, excited, enthusiastic. It was his first deal. He thought it was going to make a killing and he lost money. And you know what? He'll never invest in another real piece of real estate ever again. So he killed the pool for that guy, right? So um, again, just be very careful about who you're, who you're dealing with um, when you're looking at wholesales. Um, you know, the there's just there's just so much that um, goes unspoken and untaught in this business, Dave. Um, and I just am really grateful to have the opportunity to share this with you. Um, you know, one of the things that that we're doing right now that's kind of unique, and it's it's um it's not a uh, long term situation, but because of the services that we're able to provide through this company, what we're actually doing is this. We're actually finding people who need to improve their credit, want to improve their debt to income, want to have all these services, true professionals working on their behalf uh, for a, a, a tiny fee. It's like 80 bucks a month to be a member and you have all these services. But what we're doing is we're saying, listen, if you're coming here because you want to buy a house, we're going to go buy that house for you or land. And we actually will build a home or rehab a home while someone is moving through the financial services pieces of this. And when they're ready and when the house is ready, we're selling it to them. Now they don't have to compete in a marketplace with 20 offers and worry about all the rest of that. Um, it's fantastic for wholesalers. One of the biggest challenges that wholesalers have when they first try to do this is they, they have a hard time building a buyer's list. And for good reason, because a seasoned host or a seasoned investor is going to be able to spot the mistakes right away, right? And you need to know what you're doing. You need to know how to evaluate a deal. So now what that wholesaler has the power to do is put a for sale by owner sign in, a, in the front of a property that they get under contract and say, you can buy this with bad credit. And you better believe that the phones are ringing off the hook with people who have bad credit. There are so many people across this country right now that are going to lose their home, whether they're a tenant because their landlord um, couldn't pay the mortgage or the landlord's going to lose the house because they have that a tenant that couldn't pay their rent. Everything is messed up right now. So I'm in favor of, um, even though I love the rental model and I've used it, um, my focus is just a little bit different, but ultimately our goal is to help 1 million renters become homeowners. And there's great power in that. And especially with today's environment, I mean, imagine if you have a house where you have a, 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 a landlord that's about to lose their property and that tenant is going, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I've been paying my rent, whatever. Now you can go to that tenant and you can say, listen, um, how about we help you out, get your credit where it needs to be, get you set financially, and how about if you buy this house from the landlord? You imagine how happy that landlord's going to be? Solving problems. You know, they're not going to lose it to foreclosure. Now they've got a buyer, right? So I guess, I guess ultimately the bottom line is this. There are lots of different strategies inside the real estate investment um, world. I mean, I'm always um, doing something new. I've got a flip in Colorado. That I'm, and I'm in Maryland that I'm getting ready to do. It's going to be a luxury flip. Um, you know, there's still rental opportunities. There's um, the, you know, the um, uh, Airbnb is big, just like you experienced. Um, the whole point is when you're getting into this business, just understand that you're going to be bombarded by notes, by uh, rentals, by do Airbnb, by mobile homes, by land, by blah, blah, blah. Figure out what you like. And what you're going to focus on and don't be distracted, make your goals, understand what your plan is and how you're going to get there. Use the tools that are available to you through professionals, like through podcasts like you. And thank you so much for doing this and making this information available to people because it's so important through podcasts, through Facebook groups, through, um, you know, online courses. There's, there's tons of ways to learn this business. But I think one of the most important things is aligning yourself with someone who actually cares and who has um, experience and the willingness to try to help you avoid some of the pitfalls that there are. Now, out in Colorado, do you have any boots on the ground of people you trust to make sure that they're not sending you fake pictures like you were talking about earlier? 
Well, I actually have a little business model in mind for the fake picture thing. Um, but um, no, I actually will be managing that job myself. I'll be relocating to Colorado and overseeing that myself. It's a big deal. It's a it's a one point two million dollar renovation. Um, wow. We're I'm, and I'm helping the homeowner out, you know, because he is he was in a bad situation with a potential foreclosure. And another great example, prime example of how somebody can be taken advantage of. I'm telling you, Dave, this guy spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on kitchen cabinets that I probably could have picked up for ten thousand dollars at an auction or something. I mean. He has been stolen from right and left. The quality of the work that was done on this house, it's an 11,000 11, square foot home. It's appraised at five and a half million after rehab. Um, and, you know, people see those big numbers and they go in and they just try to rack the numbers up. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a crime what some people will do. The roof that was put on was installed entirely improperly. We have to redo the whole roof and it's a metal roof. I got to tear it all off. And if, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic project and really cool because um, I've never done a luxury flip before and I'm really excited to get started on that. And there's other opportunities with land development and things along those lines, you know, with this particular seller. But yeah, man, you got to have boots on the ground. I, it's like Vanilla Ice, you know who Vanilla Ice from the '90s, Ice Ice Baby. He does a bunch of those. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that show on DIY Network. He does uh, big multi-million-dollar mansion makeovers. It's pretty fun to watch. Oh, really? Does he have boots on the ground? Yeah, no, he does the work. He actually he 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 has a team there, and he's like an arborist. He's like out there planting all these because it's in Florida, so all the landscape and the the palm trees are all his his game. Um, but how long are you expecting that to take to do the whole entire flip? What's your estimation on that? Well, <laughs> we've had um, we've been working on this project for some time in terms of getting it to settlement. And this is another thing, you know, yet another tip for people. Um, when I put this property under contract, um, uh, it was not until the last minute after having all the funding set up, everything ready to go, that we found out that the seller had a, a personal lien a personal judgment. And um, he actually, this guy is um, amazing. I mean, he really um, is trying to take things and um, take things into his own hands legally. And he has actually appealed this judgment. So um, he was not willing to settle until we hear from the appellate court about um, whether or not the judgment will be reversed. But inside that story, there's another whole story about banks and lenders and, um, you know, the different things that you have to be aware of, even when you're engaging with a, a you know, a, a regular bank, you know, in terms of the verbiage and all the rest of that. Um, but at any rate, um, we were poised and ready to settle, but he refused. So you always have to be aware of that. The seller ultimately has the power. Um, you have to be aware that there could be additional liens, judgments, taxes, etc., that uh, the seller may not be aware of even that could impact your offer price. And, you know, when that happens, you have to be prepared, prepared to pivot and think of a different exit strategy, a different way to work with the seller through owner financing, perhaps, or a number of different strategies that are available. Um, in terms of this job, once we, once we actually get it under contract now, of course, we're coming into the winter. So, um, uh, and I hate saying that cause I'm a summer girl. Um, but, um, it's probably going to take about six months. That's our, that's our hope. How did you find that property? Was it through another wholesaler on a forum? No. Um, actually, he's somebody that reached out to the guru that I was working with, and he was looking for a loan to try to salvage this property, and it didn't fit um, that business model. And so I actually, and again, you know, one of the things that I think anybody in business um we tend to lose sight of this, but we all know somebody that can help somebody. So for example, this guy, I knew that he was in financial distress. So I was actually able to refer him to a uh, lender to try to get the loan done. When that failed for a number of different reasons, I still stayed in touch with them. And then I offered to buy the property and, you know, help him out in a creative way. Um, and that's how, that's how the deal sort of came about. Yeah, that sounds like uh, sounds like a big deal there. Do you are you on Instagram or anything? Do you post anything about the progress of any of your properties? Or 
I don't use social media nearly as much as I, I should. Facebook is about the only thing, but I'm planning on ramping up and actually doing the Instagram and Twitter and all the rest of that. And absolutely, I will once we um, once we uh, get started on the project. Yeah, it would be something good for people to follow, follow along and see uh, the good and bad and how long things take, because I know things never go as planned, so... You're right. Yeah, you know that firsthand. Yeah, don't all you? too well. Yeah, I thought that was going to take three months. It took nine months. So, uh huh. Yeah, like I said, construction is one of the biggest barriers, hands down, to any investor's success. Hands Especially down. In the little town where we were, it was a nightmare up there. So, do you think that you'll ever mm-hmm. uh, get back into holding some of these rentals, or is that not something that you're looking at in the future? Yeah, I think. You know, I think that ultimately, um, I, I, it's my plan to do that. I would say that um, the way that I, I see myself moving forward is um, one of the things that um, has happened during COVID is that um, there were a lot of employers who were forced to allow their employees to work from home. And it was met with resistance at first, but I think that over time, what's happened is the employers are going, man, that worked. Uh, And I don't have to have a 100,000 square foot office building. I need a 1,000 square feet, you know, with a secretary and a conference room. And so in my view, the commercial space is really going to start opening up and you're going to see a lot of good prices on commercial buildings and the way I see myself engaging in the long-term play is by um, converting buildings like office buildings or hotels or even malls into housing. And I I think probably I'd like to focus on veteran housing, Um, but converting these commercial spaces into residential living opportunities and, you know, engaging in the long-term hold um, through, you know, through that opportunity. Um, another thing that I'm doing, and again, you have to be evolving in this business. You know, that's why so many people got into um, the Airbnb situation because they realized, oh, look, here's another strategy. Just like I'm explaining to you about, you know, my affiliation with its MWR Financial and the things that we're doing. Um, but another thing that I'm focusing on right now is actually buying properties um, where there's a business associated. So, for example, taking a restaurant and um, upgrading it, making improvements to it, rebranding it, and then selling the real estate and the business. Um, have a cinema that we're looking at that we're going to turn into an entertainment um, arena. You know, so add value to that and resell it. Um, a community pool. My partner bought a community pool that um, was owned by an, an older gentleman who just let it go into the ground. And um, so invested money in repairs and upgrades and rebranding and building excitement. And that thing has probably quadrupled in value in just, you know, four months. Uh, So that, yeah, so that'll, you know, that's another way way to, you know, buy something and then add value to it and then, you know, sell the turnkey product. So now you moving out to Colorado permanently or just while the, while the uh, construction is going? Yeah, just while the construction's going. Unless I love it. I don't know. I don't have <laughs> who knows. Colorado's beautiful. It's in Golden. And this house actually sits on the side of a mountain. And when you look out this these massive windows, um, you actually are looking, it's called a saddle, where the mountains come down to a um a valley and through that you see downtown Denver. At night it's just it's spectacular. So um yeah, I mean, Colorado is beautiful. Yeah, so tell me uh, w- a little more about the business that you're in. Would you say it was MW? Yeah, it's MWR Financial. And um, the the cool thing about this company is it was started about three years ago by a man named Brian House. And Brian um, has an interesting story because when he was in college, he was actually studying to be a minister. And he had a, a, a change of calling, so to speak, and decided to get into the financial world. And he has started four multi-million dollar businesses and sold each of them. And MWR Financial is a company that he started not because he needs the money, he's wealthy beyond means, um, but he did it as a humanitarian effort, truly with the idea of empowering the average guy financially. Um There are so many people across this country that have no clue about um, what it means to have good or bad credit. They have no clue how to understand the tax laws or 
um, how to increase their income. They, they don't understand the power that they can have, you know, from a financial perspective, just by making small changes. They don't understand PRAs, you know, private reserve accounts, how to invest. They don't understand how to do land banking. Um, and so his whole purpose in setting this company up was to provide a service where on a membership basis, people would have access to real professionals who actually handle these tasks for the member um, to empower them financially. But again, ultimately, the goal, as I said, is to help 1 million renters become homeowners all across the country. You know, um, I can't tell you the numbers right off the top of my head, and it's probably bad. I should be able to spit these numbers out. But um, the the net worth of a um, of a renter is something like fifteen hundred dollars, where the net worth of a homeowner is something like thirty thousand dollars on average, right? You know, because when you own real estate, just like you had, you know, when you refinance, you had immediate equity, you had immediate net worth by owning that real estate. So the whole goal of this company is to help people understand. Uh, and, and, you know, get a hold of, of their financial world, their financial literacy. Um, it's, it's something that's not taught in school. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, and so that's what this is all about. I mean, and it's so well thought out and well put together because it's not just about the services. It's about helping, um, helping people grow a business, um, you know, helping people, be able to have these services for free. Like if you refer three people who need these services, your services are free. Um, it's about the real estate piece of it that was added about four months ago. Whereas I said, we're actually buying land. We're getting ready. We just actually um, uh, bought a piece of land in Houston and are going to be building 36 houses on this land for people specifically who have suffered with bad credit and bad financial positions. We're helping them get into place when these town when these houses are done, they're going to have a home that they're going to be able to buy and move into right away. Um, there's a capital contributor program, which is awesome. You can earn 20% return in three to six months on uh, a capital investment plus 5% equity in the deal. So it comes out to, you know, 33 to 35% return in three to six months on a small investment. So there's a ton of stuff that that's involved in this company. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. And what's the most really. common mistake people make that have bad credit? Is it buying a brand new car or is it just in general, all of their spending? Gosh, that's a really great question. It's just across um, the board. I think probably the biggest mistake that people make is closing their eyes to it. Not trying to do something about it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a shame because there are hundreds, if not thousands of credit repair companies out there. But once again, you got to know who you're dealing with because I, you see it all the time. Yeah. I paid them a thousand dollars and they didn't do anything. And, you know, it's been nine months and I haven't had a change on my score. It went down. So again, with MWR, our credit repair or restoration company is actually the top in the country and the only one that's actually um, endorsed by a federal judge. So once again, you know, credit and, and, you know, I mean, you went to the bank and got a loan, right? You had to have good credit to do that or decent credit at least. And, and I have had very bad credit credit. I actually did claim bankruptcy back in 2010. <clears throat> so I had to start over and build it back up. And I did use an agency like that to help me. And I also used my credit card to buy everything, gas, groceries. I, I just bought everything with it and paid it off every month. And it really, in a couple of years, it really did turn around and get and get a lot better. But you just you have to stick with it. You can't just start spending willy nilly. I only bought things on my credit card that I knew I needed and that I knew I could pay off. I didn't just go buying Xboxes right. and TVs and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, you're right. You see, you had the right intention. You knew what you were, what your goal was. You were trying to build your credit. You weren't trying to go out and overlive your, you know, lifestyle. You were just trying to. You had a goal. You had an idea that you followed through. You're to be yeah. commended. Yeah, no, it's a, it, you can do it. Like you said, it has to be an effort. You, you can't just ignore it and say, "Hey, I have bad credit." That's what it is. You know, you have to work at it, just like anything. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to mention at the end? You want to give out the website to that company or any uh, any other information that they can talk, contact you with? Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can certainly um, share the the name of my website. It's makewealthreal.com forward slash 
Nancy Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L, uh, forward slash intro, I-N-T-R-O. And you'll be able to see a video exactly what we do. Um, and if you have any interest, I'm here to answer questions and help in any way that I can. You're helping people all across America, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nationwide. But I'll tell you, you know, I, and here's another tip for you. And, and again, this is something that um, uh, people overlook all the time. But one thing that I always tell people is when you're buying a property and you're rehabbing it, whether it's for a rental or for a flip, um, when you're doing things like um, replacing interior doors, replacing kitchen cabinets, replacing light fixtures, very first thing you do before you take the first thing out of the house is you take pictures, you take measurements, and you put it on Craigslist or Facebook um, Marketplace, and you try to sell the stuff instead of just having it torn down and thrown into a landfill. You can't sell it. Donate it. There are companies out there that will actually come and take this stuff down for you. Um, second chance in Baltimore. And I'll tell you, this is, this is again, this is something I just learned. I do this all the time, right? I always try to sell the stuff before I, I take it out and get it, take it to the dump. Or I try to donate it. I had a house up in Havre Grace I was looking at with a friend of mine. And there's all this beautiful, beautiful trim work on the inside and the outside. And I said to him, you know, Mark, I don't know if Second Chance comes up here, but they have a deconstruction service that you ought to check into. And what the, what Second Chance does is they will actually come, they'll send a crew up and take everything apart and take it away and you get a tax write-off. But what I found out is they actually um, will go all the way out to Cal Colorado. They're finishing up a job in Colorado right now. So um, I was looking for a local company in Colorado and I was struggling Um uh, the Restore, the Habitat for Humanity, um, does that um, in certain areas, but I couldn't find one in Colorado that did it. Um, so I was really happy to know that Second Chance actually will travel, um, you know, for, for bigger jobs. And, of course, this is a big deal. Um, but, yeah, look for organizations that will that you can donate these goods to so you get a, a write-off. Or best thing ever is just, you know, before you take the first thing out, take pictures and sell it. And you market it on Craigslist, on Facebook Marketplace – and all of your meetup and Facebook investor groups that are local to you. Because if you're doing a flip and you got old cabinets in there that might not be great for a flip, I guarantee you they're okay for a rental. And you got a landlord out there that's probably looking and would love to give you some money to save a lot of money on cabinets. Thanks for joining me this week. You can check out Nancy's info at make wealthreal.com slash nancy sewell slash info i put a link in the notes so you can go check out the show notes and click on that and go right to our website i'll be back next monday with the new episode check it out apple podcast google podcast spotify iHeartRadio, radio pandora go subscribe leave a review we'll be back next week light up yo man let's get out of here where to your mother Thank you for listening to the Highly Leveraged Podcast. Leave a review and subscribe to get new shows automatically downloaded every Monday morning. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Highly Leveraged Pod. And check out our website at highlyleveragedpod.com for more info. Yeah.